0: To another COVID election edition of RBA Dirt Municipal Mania. Mania, mania,
1: mania, mania, mania.
0: Heard every Wednesday at 11 o'clock on WRIRLP. 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Yay. Um. Dun, dun, dun. And we have some special guests with us today. We're starting with a, another district. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Which district are we doing? The fifth. <laughs> yes. So we have a whole new district this week. And we have our school board candidate, but we're missing one no response yep. from uh
2: the other no thank you um no thank you <laughs> sometimes that's just the way it goes but hey you guys took the opportunity uh to speak to our listeners and your constituents and so we're glad to have you we'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves first come first serve uh first on the call with stephanie you go right ahead
1: well my name is stephanie Rizzy, and of course i'm running for school board <laughs> in the fifth district Uh, I've been a teacher for close to 30 years. I have been an active community volunteer for longer than that. And uh, I really wanna serve the city in this capacity. Oh, hi. (laughs) My name is Jenny Agamo, and
3: um, yes, I'm running for fifth district school board as well. And, um, you know, I, uh, I have four girls that go to this, to go to RPS and have been going for quite some time. And uh, I just feel like it's, it's time, it's my time, I guess, to step in and kind of take this on in a larger scale. And I've done everything elementary, middle school, but now I want to go a little bit larger than that. So, and um, I love my community and I actually love, I love my city too. So it's time
0: for some change. All right, so ladies, what made each of you run? we'll go in opposite order this time. So we'll flip flop to give everybody a fair chance. Um, So since you started first with introductions, um, Stephanie, we'll let you, Jenny, go first this time. So uh,
3: I feel like there's, um, you know, I mean, like I said before, my, you know, my girls obviously are always my first and foremost. I do things for them too, you know, and so, and I want them to also see advocacy in their lives and, you know, in, in everything that, you know, they do. And I try to instill that, but I think for, for me personally, I see the school board now and the city and administration and I just feel like there's still there needs to be more accountability, you know, when it comes to a lot of things. So accountability, um, especially with the school board, I feel like there's still um, a lack of, of just a lack of accountability when it comes to that. And uh, I really I feel that that's something that um, I can actually bring to the table as well. So you know and also just um you know engagement i mean that's one other thing i just i i really want to bring parents in and community in and just see if we can just build all that build on top of that so that's really important to me
1: you know as a adult survivor of a really tough childhood school was always my refuge place um, and i'm also a product of public schools and a lifelong educator and an RPS parent. I have two sons who have matriculated through RPS. My youngest now is in 10th grade. And I know how vitally important, um, well-funded, high-quality public education is to achieving the democratic ideals of our nation. And to be honest with you, my first grade teacher actually saved my life, and that is really no exaggeration. Um, You know, I was poor. I didn't wear the nicest clothes. I was quiet and shy. And I would have been easy to miss but, and her name was Mrs. Bell, she noticed me and recognized my gifts. And sometimes she even risked her job to help my mom after school, which she wasn't supposed to do, to educate me in a way that encouraged my advanced development. So, you know, later in life when my gifts were ignored or they weren't recognized in other ways, I remembered how much she invested in me, And it made me persist. It literally took me all the way through graduate school, just remembering that Miss Bell believed in me and on top of it she was a tall majestic beautiful black woman and her representation definitely mattered in my life so honestly i would ha- i have no idea where i would be without the benefit of public education that you know delivered by teachers and really good support staff who truly really cared about me as an individual and school was a safe place for me and that's something for which i'm forever grateful and i think all kids ought to feel that way that you know school is a safe refuge I really believe that schools should be hubs of care for our communities and should offer high-quality education guidance and support that all children need to thrive. And that's why I'm running, to make sure that that happens.
2: This is a pretty challenging time to be running. Well, it's a challenging time to be a student and a parent and somebody on school board. And it's not going to get any less challenging, even though you guys, you know, whoever wins is going to come in uh, January 1. Um, this is an ending. So what are your plans for outreach and dealing with parents and these students? Because I guarantee you, there's still going to be some bumps in the road by January.
1: You know, you're right. These are challenging times. And I've done a lot of canvassing in um, neighborhoods in the fifth district. And I've been hearing a lot from parents. And even right now, there are still parents who don't know exactly how to log into the Chromebooks. Um, I dealt with a woman who has twin, um, children, they're twins and they are both autistic and she's just like, how am I going to get the services I need, you know, for my kids? And so there are a lot of question marks out there. And I know RPS is really working to get people on the ground to like help our parents out and help our families out, but it's still a tough job. It's, it's a, it's a huge Herculean task right now. And even my son, you know, he's got his Chromebook. I think we know how to log in but this is something, you know, you won't even know how it works until you try it. And, you know, now that I'm teaching, I'm teaching virtual at VCU right now. Well, not virtual, because yeah, I do face-to-face and one day of virtual. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of learn as you go. And so it is gonna be really important to engage parents and stakeholders in this process, especially even in January. We don't have any guarantee that we're gonna be fully face-to-face in January. You know, they're, they're monitoring the COVID numbers. And hopefully they do go down and will allow us at least some face-to-face, you know, in in the building, you know, contact with teachers. But um, my plan is, you know, definitely to set up points of contact, you know, definitely make myself available. If it's gotta be Zoom and electronic, it can be that way. If it's socially distanced in a place where we could safely hold a meeting, that would be another way to reach out to parents. But, you know, I do know that our district has been a little while without, you know, regular contact with their school board member. And so, you know, whether it is like, cause there are a number of community centers and places of worship that we could use around here to hold meetings and then just outreach, you know, I, I worked with a list. I have a list of like people in the neighborhood who have kids. And I would definitely use that to reach out to parents and invite them to reach out to me. So yeah, it's gonna have to be a team effort and I am all for you know, doing everything I can to facilitate communication between myself and my community.
3: Um, yes. Yeah, so um, you know, I kind of, of course, I, I, you know, I feel the, the same way in that way. Um, I, so if we're in schools or we're not in school, I mean, if we're in schools, I would make sure that I'm in the schools. I would make sure that I'm always in the fifth district schools. And so it's virtual. You know, um, if it's virtual, Zoom. I mean, I make sure I'm there at the, the meetings as far as if they have the PTA meetings, which I really like to encourage. Um, I think that's a great way to keep the community and families in loop, in the loop. And also, um, you know, like the district meetings as well. But I just think, you know, being out in your community, mm-hmm. offering the resources um, that will be needed. Uh, I've also made a lot of connections over the years. You know, one great resource is MICA. And um, Mike is a lot of faith-based different uh, churches that come together and they um, provide different resources for different schools and they do volunteering, they do, you know, they'll do reading, they'll help with reading, they'll help with math, they'll, you know, they're kind of all over the place. So that's, you know, those are the, the kinds of things that we need to reach out to
0: and uh, to ensure that, you know, our families are getting what they need. So as this time is a very challenging, different time, RPS already has a a set of its own challenges without COVID, but COVID has presented us with a new, different set of (laughs) obstacles that I don't think any of us foresaw coming before we got here, right? Right. COVID included or not included, what do you see are some things that you want to really tackle for your district specifically, but also uh, RPS-wide if you're elected on school board,
3: So um, I think one of the, so i belong to, and I belonged um, to this group since last year and um, was, was actually appointed um, by subpoenas for this group and it's called SHAP. And so um, it's the, you know, Richmond School Health Advisory Board. And on that job, I'm part of the um, the mental health committee subcommittee, and so that's something that's really important to me. And we've, you know, we've all we've our group has talked about this a lot. But I personally want to work on getting these trauma informed, you know, community based, and you wanted to call them health healthcare inside the high schools, and that's really important to me. um As far as high school, I mean, it could be middle, but I think that high school is where we really need to aim at right now, and To the point where you know families come in and i kind of see it like this families come in and they have you know they need resources they'll be able to get them right away if um kids of course they need counseling or they have you know they have a lot of things going on that they have never talked to a counselor before they can get that help right away i mean we you know obviously have a lot of kids that have come from um, backgrounds of trauma so i mean that's something that i feel like should have been a place a long time ago but that's what I would really like to work on. You know, either if it's not in the schools, then it could be like a mobile-based, you know, some sort of mobile-based unit that could be outside the schools. But definitely um, it's something in that field, yeah, to promote, you know, the mental health for high schoolers.
1: Okay. So, yeah, there are several things that I'd, I'd want to work on as a school board member. One thing is centering students and parents Um, They need to be the center of our work. There have been several decisions recently made that really didn't take student or parent input into consideration. And in fact, the most recent decision about like the child care assistance that the city is offering, they really didn't reach out and, and ask parents until like a few parents started to demand that. Um, and so, a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll make decisions. You know, I, I mean, they, as in, you know, the school board and administration sometimes will make decisions and then just give informational sessions to parents. And I'd really like to see more of parent parental participation, stakeholder participation beforehand, before these decisions are made. You know, listen to parents. Find out what they want, what they need before a decision is made. So that is really one thing I really want to work on and help facilitate is involving parents and stakeholders, um, even if they aren't parents, but they really care about our schools, involving them more in the decision-making processes. Um, also, I think that you know families need a school board representative who's also going to take time to listen to them. And so I want to create additional ways for parents and families facing economic or social barriers to participate in their children's education. You know, a lot of times and I have I've had to deal with people in the community, as I do canvassing, who say things like, oh, parents don't care, you know, or they're not there with their kids because, you know, they're at home doing what they want to do. And a lot of times what's going on is that parents have to work, you know what I mean? Or they have younger children. And so like, if we can facilitate an easier way for our parents who are both working and have children to attend meetings, maybe schedule meetings at different times of the day, or provide childcare, you know, have someone, you know, we vetted very carefully to be there to help with childcare at meetings. So that's another initiative I wanna take on. There's also the point that teachers are professionals and should be empowered. We should solicit recommendations from teachers first when considering the appropriate use of technology in the classroom, uh, grade level course specific curriculum, content and pacing, useful professional development that doesn't feel like a waste of time, and issues with attendance and student retention. Um, Right now our graduation rate is about 71.7, which to me is is not acceptable. That means that, you know, 25% of our kids or more are not completing high school. And so we need to work to engage our teachers in a conversation about how this could change. Uh, we need to make our PS uh, teaching attractive and sustainable because we need to attract and retain teachers that share the demographics and backgrounds of our students. And there have been some rumblings that we're we're losing a lot of our very I mean our great African American black teachers because they're finding better positions in other counties. And so we've got to work to make these jobs more attractive and make teachers happier in our schools. And so, you know, we need to make sure we're retaining our, our best teachers. The time and love I invested in my former students, many of whom are now in their 30s, married with children of their own and are incredibly productive adults, is evidence that teachers do make a difference. I'm happy to have been the teacher that teacher for so many and have, happy to have worked in environments where my expertise was respected. Let's be sure our PS teachers feel empowered. And then I guess the last thing I want to talk about is Reimagining what discipline is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about SROs in schools. Um, Definitely, I feel like we need to hire qualified mental health professionals to work with our kids. We need more counselors than cops. And as a school board member, I will fight for policies that limit expulsions and suspensions, which also really have a detrimental impact on our students. And Richmond is pretty high up there in in terms of Virginia schools with high suspension rates. So that's another thing I really want to work on and, you know, make sure I give it all, you know, to changing that. Because it's a main source of our whole issue with the school-to-prison pipeline. We want to disrupt that. We do not want to play a role in it. So those are the initiatives I'd like to...
2: For being a school board member, having a relationship with your counterpart on council um, is key, and not all school board and council members have a relationship. What will you expect out of your council counterpart, and what do you want them to go to bat for you for? Because you know, you're kind of hamstrung on some things, especially budget wise. So, what do you expect of, out of your partnership with? Uh, the fifth district council person, whoever that may end up being.
1: So, yeah, it's definitely vital that as a school board member, I'm able to work with our city council person because they do have, certainly they have control, more control over the budget. And so, of course, that's the one thing I absolutely will need them to go to bat for us for. Our current city council person has expressed Interest in looking at George With High School and trying to get resources to help improve that facility and the um, you know basic services that we offer students there. And so that's another thing that I would really I mean because I do actually have a lot of interest. I did my practicum teaching at George With, and a lot of the issues that they dealt with way back then they're still struggling with now. And so absolutely improving the high school in the district would be another thing that I'd want our council person to really fight for, you know, fight for potential programming. Uh, Yeah, you know, she has mentioned this aviation program she's trying to bring there. And that's a great thing. You know, anything that can help our schools uh, better serve our students is what I'm going to absolutely expect our council person to fight for. And I do believe that whomever it ends up being uh, will care and love our, uh, you know, have a deep, caring, love of our schools as much as a school board rep does. And so I would love to work with whomever ends up being our council person to ensure that our schools have what they need. And yeah, the budget is the big thing. So my council person. Um, yeah, definitely.
3: I would want to collaborate um, on budget. I would hope that we would see eye to eye uh, as far as, especially the fifth goes. Um, you know, I'm sure we both care about you know, definitely care about our students and our families and we want the best for them. So I'm, I would want to court. you know, I'd want to work with them closely and let, make sure that that all happens. I mean, there's, I'm trying to think that there's, there's been good. I mean, in the fifth, we've had really good luck with their, you know, with the relationships and I would just want to continue that, um, that happening. I mean um, the previous and even right now she's, you know, they've done a good job. So, Just um, continue that, continue that um, collaborating of everything good for the fifth and making sure families get, you know, what they deserve.
0: And if you had a magic wand, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and school board could do do things in decency and in order and make things work uh, magically without hiccups, what would that look like?
2: What are your hopes for your relationship with your other school board members?
3: Um, I would say, um, you know, the decisions – this is the thing i think sometimes um with the school board sometimes it doesn't it doesn't seem as if sometimes it doesn't seem as they're looking at the big picture right and so i mean that's really important to me you have to look at you have to look at um a problem from all sides right you can't just like zone in on one thing and you know and and expect it just to be um everything's going to turn out i mean sometimes you have to look at the whole picture of it and look at, at, at something from all sides and i feel like i'm really good at doing that and so i would just ask the school board to um school board members to try and trust one another for you know and try to give them um the benefit of the doubt and you know not come to conclusions of um you know not you know not jump to conclusions basically that they're some you know conspiracy theories or whatever I would just hope that there would be you know some sort of camaraderie on that and um I would you know have respect them and trust them I mean until someone shows you they're not trustworthy there's no reason not to trust them and um vice versa but definitely to take and be open-minded and um take a look at all you know all sides of a of an issue before voting on it
1: all right so you know I think I'm a great candidate for the fifth fifth district because my record shows that I love kids. I spent my lifetime trying to make this a better world for them, but also because I believe I have the skills needed to build coalitions and get initiatives and policies passed and implemented. Um, I have a varied experience in all levels of education and I have a long record of service to my community. And a lot of it involved, you know, having to manage conflict and to learn to work with people with whom I may not always see things eye to eye, but you know, have a common goal, which you know we all want what's best for Richmond public schools. And so, I really do believe that I have the skills to talk to people who don't agree with me or who do, and work out uh, ways that we can work together to have what's best for the city children you know, all of our children in the city of Richmond have those initiatives passed and ask real questions, hold our leadership accountable, but at the same time, we need to be able to work together and to negotiate agreements That are going to keep our schools moving forward so that we aren't kind of always stuck in this pattern of, you know, we've got this one group of people all voting the same way because they have allegiance to each other. And we have another group who they like each other and they're always going to vote that way and not a real consideration of the actual policies that are on the table. And that's where we should be focused. We should be focused on the policies, whether these policies will represent what's best for our kids. And we need to vote and you know form coalitions to make sure that whatever we pass is going to be what's best for our kids and and it doesn't have to do with personal relationships or personal feelings or um, alliances of one kind or another that are not just based in alliances period, right? I I don't like them. I think that we should all be focused on what's best for our kids. And so that's where I'd I'd, I'd stand and that's what I would tell my colleagues on the school board.
2: We are in our last minutes, if you can believe it. Went by very quickly. In summation here, we'll ask you uh, since Obviously, we can't cover every topic in uh, the short amount of time that we have, but is there something in particular that we didn't hit upon, that we didn't ask you, that you really want to get out there as a message for your platform?
3: I think my um, the, the message I would want to just kind of drive home is, um, you know, so my message is my platform is strong communities, strong schools, and strong students. And so um, with that, you know, I had just envisioning communities coming in, um, to our schools and, um, helping that, you know, helping is what, you know, helping with uh, either they're helping teachers, you know, be able to get things for their classroom or they're helping by volunteering, um, you know, helping with extra resources, um, uh, what have you, but, but also with strong schools, I mean, that's going to, you know, strong communities is going to help you have strong schools. So strong schools look like parents and teachers, you know, being treated as uh, shareholders, and stakeholders, and the minute they walk in, they're going to feel welcomed. And I really, really think that's important. Um, you know, when I was PTA president for three years at Cary, I felt that that was something I really tried to work on. They're not always, it's not always the case for every school, you know, unfortunately, but we have to make it that way. We have to make it the case. So, you know, families, when you, when you go and accept families and you bring them in and you you know, want them to connect, then, you know, they're gonna they're gonna come, they're gonna show up more, I believe. But if, if they have any feelings that they're not supposed to be there, that they're, you know, um, you're just, they're wasting, you know, you're just, they're wasting your time or whatever with the administration, then of course, they're not gonna wanna come, they're just gonna drop their kid off and they're gonna go. So that's something that's really important to me. Also, that we give our uh, students the tools that they need to, you know, become, to achieve, whatever they want to achieve in school and in life you know so we have to, those are things that we really have to work on um and being able to um focus you know all of that especially with accountability being able to kind of just bring all that together and um you know make the schools better than we ever have before actually i should just say make the schools better and stronger
1: so you know thinking about this question has got me recalling two encounters i've had recently one was yesterday when I was out canvassing, a, a man told me that, you know, most of his neighbors, uh, well, I mean, he literally pointed this person, this house, this house. They literally moved from the neighborhood once their kids got to be middle school age, right? And, and we don't need that. That's not going to help us. We need people who are going to invest and stay in our communities and work this out you know, make our schools, help us make our schools the best they can be. And so, you know, one thing I really, my campaign has been running on this, you know, positive vision of RPS and how can we work together to improve the schools so that people aren't leaving our neighborhoods or, you know, killing themselves trying to do open enrollment because they don't like their neighborhood schools. So that's one thing that I really want to work on. Uh, and work with the school board to ensure that we encourage our parents and give them incentives to stay and to work on the quality of our schools uh, because abandoning the schools will not help. And so, you know, I wanna get that message out. I wanna talk to people about that. Another thing is, you know, I ran into a former student of mine, someone I taught in fifth grade and she's like in her early thirties now and she's a mom. And I, you know, I gave her a big hug because I literally haven't seen her since fifth grade. Um, And, you know, she's like, I'm like, how are you doing? And she's like, well, I went to George with and, you know, about the best I could do there is graduate high school. And that hurt my heart, too, because, you know, here's this young woman who was very bright as a child saying to me, like, I went to this high school and I couldn't get and she did say I tried to go to Huguenot, but I couldn't get in Um, and is blaming her school and, and maybe rightfully so for not having you know the qualifications to get into college and to be honest with you i teach at vcu and i encounter very few students from rps um, a lot of them are coming from northern virginia and virginia beach Tidewater area and so we've got to work too to make sure our kids are college ready all of them if they want to go to college so that's another thing i want to talk about and raise you know attention to, you know, I definitely want to call attention to it. And, you know, these are conditions that have lasted way too long. They've existed. We've all known about it, but no one's ever, like, shaken the boat, right, and done anything. So that, that's another thing that I'm really interested in. Um, so in summary, you know, I am an active community member. I was president of the Randolph Community Group for about seven years. Um, I've done a lot of hands-on work to resolve disputes. Um, you know, we had the whole issue of students and neighborhood um, residents, and we really worked to make that uh, a better situation. I've worked closely with many public servants and younger activists to develop them into compassionate, effective leaders. I've spent a lot of time recently with the Richmond Transparency and Accountability Project, where I've committed myself to reforming the justice system that disproportionately affects black folks. More specifically, the system of policing and, uh, and you know, discrimination, basically, that caused my father's death at the hands of police officers. So, um, you know, I've done a lot of work in the community to try to make things better, and I'm going to do that on the school board. My campaign is intentionally based on a positive progressive vision of RPS. We are not simply trying to win support by telling people how bad everything is and claiming that I alone can fix it because I can't do it by myself. No one can. Um, I'm in this for the long run because I believe that together our children thrive. All
2: right, y'all. Thanks. And before you go, let the folks know how they can contact you.
1: So uh, my website is stephanieforthefifth.com, com. And that the, fi- the fifth is 5TH. And on there are links to my Twitter. I've got Twitter running, Instagram, and Facebook. And so I have links to all of those on my website. So that's the easiest way to reach me. Facebook is always, you know, I'm, I'm older, so I kind of have a preference for Facebook. Though my Twitter and um, Instagram accounts are very active too. So yeah, I encourage people to reach out. Uh, yeah, mine is um, Jenny schoolboard.com
3: and that's four, the number four. And um, I also have links on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, it's Jenny Agamo in the 5th District though on Facebook. And everything else is Jenny for School Board. So yeah, I also reach out and if there's anything I can help with, or if you have questions or comments, let me know.
0: Wonderful. Thank you ladies for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Good luck to you guys and your races ladies
2: thank you you. you. yeah thanks so much all right and we have another school board candidate with us for fifth district we're excited to meet her and we'll let her introduce herself and then maybe tell us a little bit about your background and why you're running for school yeah
4: hello everyone i am DeCardra jackson i am a native of richmond I graduated from Richmond Public School, John Marshall High, go Justices, and I've worked in RPS for over 15 years. I've been in education collectively for 22 years, again, 15 of those years with Richmond, as well as neighboring school divisions in higher ed. I led a VISTA science education program at George Mason University, and I also teach as an adjunct professor at University of Richmond, but I am 100% vested in the improvement of RPS. Like I said, I'm a graduate of Richmond. What I can add, I know, which is a little different maybe for some of the other candidates, is because I've worked in Richmond for so long, I truly know and understand some of the issues, some of the challenges, and opportunities that exist there, and I'm 100% committed to making sure that change takes place. I work well with others, so I can work collaboratively with the other school board members to make sure we resolve these issues issues. Um, I'm passionate about education and that's why I'm running.
2: Let's expand a little bit about working collaboratively with other school board members. In the past, it's not always been that way. What will you do to make sure that that happens? That everybody works cohesively as a team?
4: Absolutely. Um, As I said, I've led on different roles with Richmond City, and during that time, during my tenure as in a director's role, I had to present at a lot of school board meetings, and I did see some of the tensions that existed. And I know I committed to, if I'm on the board, I would definitely commit to working collaboratively. And the the way I can do that is because because <laughs> Even now as a candidate, I've already reached out to some of the other candidates that's running, as well as school board members, to hear their input, their views, and seeing what do they feel like are main issues for schools um, that exist right now. So what I have done just in doing that, even like I said, reaching out to different members is helpful. Working across district lines, I think is very important, and hearing all voices. When I say my slogan is put children first, I'm not just saying that. I believe if we all go with that mindset and we put children first, it doesn't matter what district you're representing, we're representing RP as a a whole, and our goal is to see the entire division grow.
2: And also as a school board member, you have to work collaboratively with your counterpart at city council since you guys don't have, you know, much control over the budget or anything, what would you push your counterpart and council
4: for budget-wise? And, you know, what does the school district need? And what I can say, what I've noticed about this new administration and, this, and the council, they have been working more cohesively now than ever. I've noticed in the past, that's a plus. I've already reached out to the current council person just so I can see some issues, some things that she's noticed since she's been here, and how I might can add if I'm selected, how I can support that in the school Day. and also things that I also see are some issues that you know maybe have things have been ignored or maybe pushed aside for budget reasons so um, definitely I would definitely say schools the repair some of the needs are high priority definitely like some of the HVAC systems the heating and cooling systems high priority and now that right now the school's virtually this is a great time to kind of go in and do some of those major repairs that's needed. So, definitely really working cohesively with city council, things that we don't have, like you mentioned, control over, it's important.
2: COVID is a big deal. And, you know, the kids, they're virtual learning first day to day. And, it's a lot. It's a lot on parents. It's a lot on the students, and it's also a lot on you know teachers, faculty, etc. What will you do outreach wise if elected to make sure that all of those folks know that you're there working for them?
4: Absolutely. And again, you're going to hear me say I don't wait until I'm elected to be able to start this work. I've already started some of the work. I reached out to some of our neighborhood communities in the fifth district. I hear them when they say, "Hey, we don't know where to start, what to do." I've kind of knocked on a few doors that I already know folks in city in central office, and, they, and I say, "Hey, what do you have available for these folks?" In the community who wants to have some of these facilitated learning spaces. And RPS said, well, we're working on the facilitated guide. And as soon as it came out, I was able to send it out to some of the fifth district um, community civic organizations and say, hey, this is a great user guide that you can use to help connect with the school and know some of the resources that are taking place. Also, again, working with some of the other candidates for fifth district, I said, okay, well, what can we do right here, maybe in this one area? I know Randolph, for example, who's asking us, hey, we need help. And we're going to try to create what's called a Google Doc where people can say, this is the ways I can help and then a sign of genius say well hey my child for example need help in algebra one and this is a service where this person say they can help whether it's virtually or maybe they come to a common place like a park underneath safe you know safety first but kind of putting those things together so not just waiting until i'm elected we know the issue exists right now what can we do right now and again i'm working with not just community partners but all districts candidates for school board members as well Are there
2: any specific needs for any of the schools in that fifth district that maybe you
4: could pinpoint? I I would definitely say, and and what I've been hearing often as I'm knocking on neighbors' doors is, hey, what are we gonna do about George Witt? It it definitely needs an overhaul. Again, that's something I know I can't say, hey, George Witt's on top of my priority list. But of course, I would say that, but we have to look at the schools as a whole and say, hey, we've already had, Richmond has two brand new schools that's being built almost to completion, which is great. We haven't had new schools in a while. And if we kind of look at the list and see, hey, where's George Worth on that list? And what can we do to mend that? And kind of going back to the city offices and trying to see what type of taxes are available and where we are, I, I will put George Worth high in priority needs on that list.
2: We have civil unrest going on in the city and all around the country. Social movements are coming through. And, you know, this affects kids too. How do you see that maybe working into the curriculum? Is there anything that maybe... Richmond Public Schools is missing out on and teaching kids about civil
4: justice movements. That's my dog. Absolutely. I would say, um, some questions asked were: do you think they should teach African-American history in Richmond Public Schools? I want to say, I thought it was already being taught. I remember when I was in high school a few years ago, that was one of the courses I actually took, and I'm not sure if it was a pilot, but I really, really enjoyed learning about civil rights movement and not just during a segment of our history book is for a certain course, like in government, but all throughout this particular course focused only on African-American history. And I think if that's not there or in place any any longer, that would be something of value added. And again, not just a segment or a section, but a true course where time is being dedicated to teach about the civil rights and things of that nature.
2: This is almost a wrap, actually. But before we close out, is there anything that we haven't touched on, anything on your platform that you'd really like to get out there? And also, how can voters reach you? Absolutely.
4: So um, the one thing I definitely want to stress again, that I am passionate about education. I've been in education for 22 years. I started off in virtual public school as a substitute teacher while I was in college. From that, I became a physical science and earth science teacher. I later on became a testing coordinator in neighbor division, moved away to become a science director at the university, came back as assistant principal and worked up my way as a director. I received a doctorate in education from VCU. I want students to know, just like I was able to work in, th- through some barriers and overcome some things, they can do the same thing if they set their mind to it. Obviously, a lot of support. I didn't do it on my own. So if we support students and children in their learning, they'll be able to reach their highest potential. I'm a true believer in that. Um, I, I come from extreme means. you know. I come from things where I had my whole family, my, not just my nuclear family, but my extended family, also and support me. And they continue to support me. So you'll see us knocking on doors, not just one to a lot of us. And it's my family, my friends, my sorority sisters. That's my um, base to kind of help spread the word about my message. And if you want to reach me, you can definitely check out my website. I have more detail about my platform and different things, way, ways you can volunteer. And my website is www.jackson5, the number five, for rps.com. So um, I look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you again for your time and this opportunity to um, do this interview.
2: Thank you so much for joining me today. Really excited to have you on and good luck in your race. Thank you. start the uh, city council portion of our forum and we'll let our guest introduce himself and tell us why you're running for fifth district city council
5: how's it going richmond jermica mccoy here candidate for richmond fifth district city council uh to keep it simple i'm the son of a mother who's a small business owner and the dad is a navy veteran and security professional and they raised me with the principles of working hard getting an education and looking out for your community. And I'm running to fulfill those principles and to better the next generation uh, here in the city of Richmond.
2: You ran previously, right? When Parker Agilasto vacated his seat, how does it feel different this time? Is there more of a sense of urgency for you?
5: Thank you for the question. For us, it's the best teacher in life is experience. And last year uh, was an amazing opportunity. And we were at a campaign based on the issues uh, we see every day, right? I I live here on the city, on the city South side. I'm a, I'm a a business professional, but I also am a homeowner here. And I saw how a lot of issues weren't being addressed. A lot of issues on the campaign trail, uh, we were trailblazing in terms of policy. And so this time around, you know, we got to lick our wounds and learn uh, from last year. And so, uh, we revamped our campaign team, uh, Ah, uh, the donors came back in a major way this year. Um, we've outraised all the candidates in the field so far, and so, uh, and we just know what we're doing, and so we we feel very confident. Uh, the the support is there amongst the voters, and so we're looking to uh, flip the fifth in November.
2: What issues in the fifth specifically have you identified that you would like to work on if you were elected?
5: Well, one, if if I have the honor of being elected, is first uh, public health. Right, we're in the middle of Three crises, right? We're in a public health crisis, an economic crisis, and a civil rights crisis. And we have to start with making sure everybody is safe during this pandemic. Uh, The very fact that we're having this conversation via Zoom versus in a studio like we did last year shows that something's not right here and so one making sure we're keeping our residents safe by funding uh, our public health department uh, making sure we're keeping residents abreast from the changes of this virus but also making sure we're keeping them safe and aware uh, of other health issues that are coming up especially around depression and mental illness during this season also education virtual learning for a lot of our young people is is not split evenly right we have a lot of our young people who do not have access to the internet, whose parents are trying to juggle childcare and working from home and possibly being an essential worker. So one, making sure we're fully funding RPS so they can actually tend to those issues. But also looking ahead, how we make sure we're funding some job opportunities and pathways for our young people to move up and be competitive. And, and last but not least, reform. Uh, reforming both our, our, our policing department here. I think we have seen not only from the past few months uh, in the city of Richmond, but also uh, for decades of community mistrust, uh, lack of community policing and engagement from law enforcement to the people that they serve. And so I'm running to make sure we're reforming the Richmond Police Department through Citizens Review Board uh, and other funding measures to making sure that we are equipping professionals to handle uh, issues that uh, police are just not uh, trained to handle. And, and also make sure we're updating our operations to the city hall to bring uh, our city into the 21st century.
2: Touching on what you said about policing, how has the recent civil unrest and social movements affected your campaign and your ideas for policy?
5: I think the, the pandemic overall has affected our campaign, right? It's just shaped how we adjust in terms of the unrest, right? These are issues that are not new. We talked about it last year when we were running for office. I'm the only black man running in this race. And I know what it's like to be profiled by the police as a young person, right? I know what it's like to grow up in a community that is underinvested and over These issues aren't new, but the solutions and tactics in which we address them uh, are have to be innovative. And that starts with getting a citizen's review board, investing in mental health services for our residents so police don't respond with armed force for someone having a mental health episode. And so the unrest is is just a culmination. You know, people facing economic insecurity. Uh, We have pockets, not only in this district, but across the city of high unemployment in the double digits. This this pandemic has only exposed that. Uh, Issues going with law enforcement were here way before this pandemic. This pandemic just exposed that on another level, right? And then the inequalities in terms of access to internet access, the digital divide, existed before the pandemic. The pandemic just exposed all that. So how do we make sure we're addressing that collectively on city council? And that is why we're running.
2: When you're on city council, it's not just all about fifth district, right? Got to include the whole city too. What are your plans? What kind of initiatives might you push forward to maybe gain some revenue for us here uh, in the city?
5: No, I think in terms of how we approach uh, our budget, is going to be essential, especially uh, for the next council. And all and council, I want to do that in an innovative way, right? Uh, addressing not only how we spend our money more efficiently, but how we bring in revenues. And so part of that is uh, looking at uh, different ways that we can get uh, some of these dil- uh, dilapidated and tax-burning uh, properties uh, tax delinquent properties onto the city's tax rolls. But also, how can we create pathways for, for Richmonders to get the in-demand job training skills to actually be a part of that housing? Uh, also, uh, internet sales tax, right? Uh, the national At the state level, we have a lot more authority to get some more of those tax dollars in. So I think part of it is just how we assess how we're spending our money, but also try to be innovative ways in terms of how not only we do taxes in our city, but also uh, we get properties on the tax rolls that we can actually get revenues from.
2: How do you think the city's response to the pandemic has been? And if you are elected, I mean, what do you foresee, you know, council, what's ahead for council in terms of the pandemic? Because I don't think, you know, this stuff isn't going to be over in January.
5: Look, I think economically, we are going to be in a tough spot, at least for the next two to three budgets because of the effects of this pandemic. And I also wanted to be known that on council, we have to work collectively to address some of these issues. You know, nobody wants to be a part of a council that has to cut its budget, right? But that might be the realities until we have an increase in tax dollars. So I think part of it is, is making sure, finding ways that we can spend our money more efficiently on council, uh, but also getting more assistance from the federal government, right? That's That's why I'm proud to support, you know, former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris, uh, because they have a plan to actually put resources and funding into urban areas around transportation, housing uh, and job skills. And we're going to need that assistance here locally uh, in order for our city to kind of rebound from this pandemic in a more efficient way, in a more equitable way, too.
2: Once you are on council, you'll also be working closely, I'm sure, with the school board representative. What do you maybe see as initiatives you might push for, you know, budgetary initiatives, things like that uh, for the schools? Because they need some help.
5: Oh, I mean, all schools do. I think, you know, in the 5th District, we have a huge amount of RPS scattered across both sides uh, of the river. And so I think it's more important that as we approach Uh, governance in the city that we do so in a cooperative manner Uh, having a more I would say a partnership between you know city council and the school board so I think for me when I'm on council is bringing in our school board representative to give an update on uh, what is going on to residents of the district, right, and why it is important to them, and also I think it's a disconnect between uh, amongst voters as well, because so many will, you know, gladly talk to a candidate running for city council, but it's also important that they talk to their school board member, even if you do not have children in RPS. Our tax dollars still will fund our school department, right? So how do we make sure uh, we're using those dollars more efficiently, and how do we make sure we're cooperating in a way that? you know bring some sense of unity in our city because these are are tough times ahead of us and we need leaders that are going to unite and build coalitions and divide.
2: right now i guess going on uh is a council meeting (laughs) that unfortunately i'm missing um but they're talking about banning guns from public spaces permitted spaces uh do you have an opinion on that
5: look i I think well the way we have to approach gun violence, I think well not even just gun violence, right? Oftentimes the, the conversation around guns is tied to when and where people can have access to it and i think we're also losing sight of the amount of gun violence happening in our city right i think the influx of illegal firearms uh also the access to to firearms in our city as a whole is plaguing us but i do think it's also important to consider too is that people do have their rights to bear firearms now does that mean everyone should have an ar-15 i'm not getting into that conversation uh i do think whatever ordinance that we do enact as a city it's also understanding that people actually do have rights, but also it's, you know, people use these assault rifles as forms of intimidation. Uh, we have seen in Wisconsin, in Kyosha, where bad actors show up to a protest and they antagonize the crowd. And next thing you know, people are dead. Right. And so I think that has to be considered, too, in this heightened era is how do we make sure people can address their viewpoints, but also are safe uh, as well.
2: All right, thank you. We're wrapping up, so before we go, is there anything that you'd like to get out there about your platform that we haven't discussed so far, and how can voters reach you?
5: Thank you all once again to RVA Derek for having me this evening. I think it's important that, as we consider the future of our city, is how do we make sure that we have leaders that are taking the best interests of our everyday citizens, right? I'm running a campaign because I know what it's like to grow up in poverty. Uh, on free and reduced lunch, going to schools that are underfunded. But I also know what it's like to have parents in a community that looked after me to make sure I had what I need to, to, to thrive and succeed. And, and my story being a kid uh, who's a first-generation college graduate, uh, graduate of Tennessee State, a historically black institution, who has a master's from Georgetown degree, and puts that work forward here in the city of Richmond. And that informs my policy. Uh, as a former Urban League young professional president here in the city of Richmond, we donated ten thousand dollars in scholarships uh, to Richmond public school students over the past two years. I- I'm running because I think it's important that we invest in our next generation. Because my story shows what young people can be when you invest in them. And so, uh, if if you are moved to get more engaged, uh, we want you to join, be a part of this campaign, and you can do that by going to my website That's mccoyforrva.com. That's mccoyforrv dot com. And also early voting starts in less than two weeks. Uh, You can vote in person and you can request a mail-in ballot as well. Uh, So we want people to just be safe. Uh, We encourage you all to vote early uh, and skip the line on election day if possible.
2: Thank you for that. That's a really important reminder. Thank you so much. And thank you, Jermichael, for joining me today to talk about your platform and your campaign. And we wish you the best of luck in your race.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
2: We're super stoked. It's time for the
5: incumbent.
2: Would you mind introducing yourself, Madam?
6: Drumroll. Hi, my name is Stephanie Lynch, and I am the proud and honored representative of our fifth district for City Council.
2: Can you refresh our listeners' memories about how you got that position?
6: So, last fall, uh, it was determined that we, in the 5th District, were going to have a special election because our current city council member at the time, Parker Aguilesco, had moved out of the district prompting what was a special election in which um, there was an eight-person race at one point, eight people on the ballot. It was an exciting time. Uh, There was lots to talk about. Lots of issues, um, primarily, I think, maybe Hill at, at that time was, yeah. was the big issue. And it was in an off-cycle year. So now, of course, fortunately and, and honored to have taken that seat and have been representing the 5th since December. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride and a, a privilege these last nine months. And so I'm back on the ballot in November. It is COVID times and yeah. y'all have been
2: dealing with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, And I guess we're going to be continuing to deal with it uh, throughout all of this. How's it going for you doing uh, all your council stuff um, through, I guess, what do you guys use for all your meetings? Uh, uh,
6: Microsoft Teams, which I don't recommend to anyone, by the way, not, not, not my, not my preferred platform, but, but it is what it is and we are managing with what we have. It has been, well, first and foremost, my background is actually, actually in social work and, and public health and kind of statewide public health advocacy. So this is so this has actually been for me not only a, a challenge that I have been honored to rise to, but I think something that on the state level, I'm seeing it from both sides, right? So I actually work for a company that is our largest provider of long-term care for severely developmentally disabled individuals. Um, we're one of the largest labor health providers in jails. So I've been having that kind of statewide perspective and doing some advocacy on the state level, while also seeing the very, very real impact on the ground at the local level. And we have a fantastic Department of Health that has been very responsive to, uh, to my district and to my requests regarding PPE distribution, regarding uh, setting up testing sites. I've got five senior uh, public housing complexes in the district and about 1,800 seniors all across the 5th. When the pandemic hit, I set up a volunteer network of about 65 volunteers. And we reached out to and called through the list of all the seniors in the district to identify needs and any concerns, community resources they may be disconnected with. And my volunteers are awesome. We have really, really compassionate, just amazing, amazing people in the fifth district. We're so blessed. And that uh, volunteer network is in place today. And I think we're up to four rounds of PPE distributed to all the seniors. Um, in those public comp- housing complexes, we've gotten testing sites set up locally. We've helped to do a lot of feeding, a lot of uh, just connecting in with those uh, members of the community that are the most vulnerable and the highest risk. So it has been, yes, very, very challenging, and there's a lot that keeps me up at night. But one of the things that we can rest assured at is that we have an amazingly compassionate community, and I've never seen in my 16 years here in Richmond, the type of catalyst to bring neighborhoods, whole neighborhoods back together and connect whole neighborhoods back together in ways that they probably have not been connected with one another since the 50s, 60s. That's been a very, very great silver lining to it.
2: You've been in office less than a year and... I got to say, you've done a lot of stuff. You've had a lot of big things go on to the point sometimes it's you've done more than some of your other colleagues in their whole terms. Can you talk a little bit about your accomplishments over this past, not even a year?
6: Yeah, sure. I think that one of the things that I was blessed to have is I think what's true is sometimes you get put on the right seat on the bus at the right time down the right road. And in this instance, I think I was blessed with that timing and with the my, the background that I have. So I, it's a credit to everyone who has been in my life that's helped influence and shape and give me the experience to know how to lead and prepare me for this moment right now and to the people of the fifth and to, to the people of, of our city writ large who have been incredible advocates and and have been doing the work and just needed perhaps somebody on council to, to be a channel for their voice. To me, a lot of the I think it's on up to nineteen pieces of legislation now. A lot of these items were no brainers and were things that I was excited to tackle once I got on. And so I think some of the some of the accomplishments that center around equity and just moving us towards more sensible policies that truly help to reduce racial disparities in our system. Um, That, to me, is the most exciting work because it's the low-hanging fruit stuff, right? I mean, these are things that shouldn't we all want to naturally work towards affordable housing and wealth building and leveling the playing field in our criminal justice system in our courtrooms? And this is these are the types of of policies that we should all be working towards. Some may think they're controversial, right? But to me, it's no-brainer kind of kind of issues. I don't I don't really have to, to think about it. And I have actually many people don't know this, but I mean, even starting out from one of the first resolutions that we put in a, a press for was the Lee Bridge, was the renaming of the Robert E. Lee Bridge, and that was of course before the monuments and and all of that. Another piece of legislation was about eliminating cannabis testing for city employees because we were losing a disproportionate amount of African-American males within DPW and all these great jobs that the city was offering to folks who were testing positive for cannabis in a world where we had already decriminalized and, of course, have medicinal marijuana in the state of Virginia. So that was inequity. Issues to me um, And then of course I would be remiss if I didn't Mention um, the legislative package That council member Jims and I Kind of stepped out in front of In regards to all the public safety And criminal justice reforms and there's more to come.
1: There's a lot more to come.
6: Councilmember Jens and I are working on some, uh, economic development and equitable economic development and black entrepreneurship legislation. Him and I have passed some items in regards to equitable development on the south of the river and what that looks like that some of that legislation passed in early February. And we've got some fun things, I think, coming in regards to um, what happens on the other side of the system that's the criminal justice system so public safety is the one piece of that continuum uh that we need to fix in order to ultimately reduce disparities in our in our prisons and jails for black and brown community members so we have some i some legislation coming up on that and um affordable housing is always going to be where my heart is because that is how you build wealth and on red line richmond which it took Many, many years to build these disparities in our community, but building wealth back in them and by affordable housing is one of the ways that we can ready that. I'm really excited. I just think this is good stuff. I think when you and I talked before, I said I'm notoriously impatient. Obviously, you've probably seen that that's true. (laughs)
2: You have been on the ground and really involved in the social justice movements that are happening here in Richmond. And I mean, you picked up some detractors. What do you say to them? You know, when people send you some nasty stuff, leave stuff in your mailbox. I mean, how do you respond to that?
6: What I'm going through is a grain of sand compared to what... African-American community members in our very neighborhoods have gone through for hundreds of years. So, I mean, I, you know, I am happy to stand up for what I believe in. I'm happy to stand up for uh, underserved communities. I'm happy to stand up for my black brothers and sisters, my brown brothers and sisters. The fact that that produces such a vitriol reaction, such a hateful reaction from some people just tells you where we are as a country and how it has become in vogue to invoke divisiveness as opposed to trying to uh, bring us together. But these people have always been there. They've always been in the shadows. But I I have no right to... I would never locally complain or put myself out there as a martyr because my experience pales in comparison into what a 16 year old black boy has experienced in the classroom and then in the courtroom so if i can stand up and be a part of the change and um be a be a part of that solution and deliver results and action that that means something in people's lives then i'll take those bullets all day long and um, i'm happy to do it
2: you were involved in the navy hill vote right and obviously that's That didn't work out for us. But we still need some economic development in the city. And you don't just represent the fifth. You represent everyone. Got any plans if you're reelected to, you know, help us along economically here? Especially now, like, we've been hit really hard by COVID. Any
6: thoughts on that? So within the first uh, week or two of the governor declaring the state of emergency for the pandemic, one of the, uh, I urged for us to try to, to retool a committee that had been longstanding, one that Andreas um, Addison, Councilmember Andreas Addison, chairs, and that's the Economic Vitality Committee. For us to retool that into the Economic Recovery and Revitalization um, Committee, and through that, we stood up a regional partnership with the Chamber, Chamber of uh, Richmond, mm-hmm. um, and and multiple other um, uh, business partners, capital partners who. Would focus on building not only startup capital for businesses that would inevitably need to either completely restart up their businesses or for businesses that were looking to, to seed in the aftermath, but also uh, a group that could con- that could you know really help and assist and support the work of the economic development office. And so pleased to say that out of that we. have we're in this regional partnership, we now have $500,000 in grants and then a couple million more that small and local businesses can access. And we've had quite a bit of success with the folks who are getting support and help with that. Where we really need to be intentional, though, is about, in my mind, is about building up minority business enterprise, and um, uh, one such thing that Mike Jones and I are working on is we are planning, you know, to kind of layer these enterprise zones on top of certain areas in the city. Full Street corridor, for example, J D corridor could be one. That's all part of the Southside revitalization plan that I had mentioned that we passed in um, uh, earlier February. There are umt, I mean, just Millions of options and plans and recommendations um, that uh, folks much smarter than myself have derived from the year's worth of work of um, kind of these urban planning groups. Look at the front development plan right yeah. look at um, look at the small area master plan that we are kind of reimagining now that, that is in the place of where the Navy Hill development area is is going. Um, Richmond is in desperate need, desperate, desperate need of affordable housing. Um, and we are in desperate need of intentional, equitable growth by creating spaces for, and when I say spaces, I mean funding an opportunity for min- minority entrepreneurship. And it is, we, Richmond was once the capital of black entrepreneurship, not Atlanta, not, not Chicago, not none of any of these other cities that you see flourishing. Uh, that you may, you may associate with that today, but it was Richmond and we can be that again. That's it's exciting. That, that excites me. We can, we can be that place again and we can be a hub for, and we already are a hub for, we've got a lot of tech startup, a lot of healthcare startup, but we can really beef that up. But our biggest sell is affordable housing. It, it, it is, It is what it is why we in the last 10 years have seen burgeoning economic growth because people in Nova are like, I don't like that traffic, and I don't like to pay $3,000 a month for my apartment, for my little shadow box apartment. So the more affordable housing stock that we can create on all levels, from thirty percent of the ami zero percent of the ami really on on to eighty percent of the ami, the more that we can do that and the more that we can offer opportunities to other startup businesses that will then you know have folks with disposable income to go spend in their businesses, the the more that we can um, I, I think plan for a future where we become. The type of mid-sized city that people want to flock to, which we already are. I mean, people already want to be here, right? Richmond is awesome, but, but we want them to happy. stay. We want them to stay. So it's that type of intentional urban planning with affordable housing and enterprise zones and all the all the like that I mentioned that is that is super critical.
2: And we want them to stay and put their kids in RPS.
6: Yes, we do. Yes, yes. let let us not forget that RPS. The success of RPS is economic development. I always try to tell people that. So, like, when we're talking about building a new George Whit, which hopefully... Oh, ah, that's for, what I was going for, yeah. I'm fighting for that so hard. And you may... Special announcement may be coming soon. Wink.
2: Oh, I hope Keep
6: so. Your Keep your fingers
2: crossed. My fingers are I- crossed because... This is what all the school board candidates are talking about, too. They all mention George Witt.
6: That's because it's probably visibly one of those glaring examples of educational disparities across grade levels and school zones that RPS has. When you walk into George Witt, it's an embarrassment to our public school system. George Witt is uh, in desperate need of repair. The kids there, if you talk to any of the students, which I do every other day, and I'm, I'm very close with our George With administration. They're wonderful people. Hey, Joe. Hey, sh- hey, hey Angela. Hey, Sherry. They, they are working really, really hard to make sure that their kids have an equitable educational experience, but it's really hard for them to have pride in their school and in their education and even want to come to school when we are physical manifest- manifestation of their education is saying, we don't care look out for an announcement possibly at the end of the month because all right i will be your councilwoman over here has been really fighting so we'll we'll see if we 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 have some good news to share at the end of the month yes
2: yeah because you know even though it's a, a campaign time you know still got a lot of work to be done and, oh, it's, uh, and this is like yeah, that's right. the first thing on a lot of folks minds in the fifth district so that's good to hear i'm excited i'll keep my, my eyes and ears open Current events-wise, y'all just had a vote today about some gun legislation. And uh, yeah, could you maybe explain to our listeners a little bit of what that was about and why you supported it?
6: Sure. So, I mean, oftentimes in policymaking, the ordinances that we pass, they may not be perfect. We may have lots of questions about, well, when we operationalize this, are people going to be able to meet 100% compliance, right? So it's kind of like today's legislation was was about passing something that showed the spirit and intent of what Richmond as a policymaking body wanted to communicate. And I liken it to reducing the speed limits in neighborhoods or increasing the littering fine for certain areas. Cause you want to reduce littering as a policymaker. I want to say, we don't like littering. We don't like people speeding through our neighborhoods. And today we said, we don't want people open carrying weapons in our public events in our public gathering spaces, pretty <laughs> to me, a, a pretty no-brainer policy. Um, but what you saw is folks getting caught on the minutia of what I mentioned earlier, which is how do you, you know, get bring folks into compliance? You know, lots of lots of questions about well, when do you post the signs? How do you? I mean, because you're supposed to post signs, letting people know that this is an event where you're not supposed to have guns. So we so we went down multiple different rabbit holes that. You know, I, I would say we're just kind of we were pulling at at hairs when we needed to focus on kind of the larger uh, statement that we were trying to make, which is it's not OK to 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 use to 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 have firearms, which are just symbols of violence and <laughs> and uh, and have caused irreparable harm in our communities. It's just not OK to have this in public events. And I think that's a pretty good statement and a pretty um, uh, a good spirit of intent for us as a policymaking body, as a city to, ha- to have.
2: Before I close with you, I wanted to open the floor to you. If there's anything specific that you'd like to discuss that we haven't touched on, that you want to put out there as part of your campaign, or I mean, in general, you've still got months to go left in this term. What are you working on? What's out there for you? At the end, wrap it up with how people can get in touch with you, because that's really important for voters to be able to speak to you directly.
6: 100%. And maybe that's where I should begin. I have dove head first into a multitude of different uh, different issues. And I want folks to know that in the 5th District, we are very, very fortunate to have a compassionate community that allows that I think allows me as a city council person to focus on the things that I know are important to our most underserved communities, that are important to the social justice movement, that are important to to fixing and healing our city across the board. But then also we have so many neighborhood issues that strike us right at our backyards. Potholes, traffic calming measures, um, expanding our park spaces, making sure that our pedestrians and uh, folks that don't have access to personal vehicles and are, are, are having to walk or use public transit or, um, you know, other modes of, of transportation, that they have the means to do so in a safe way. Being a city council person is so much, it's, it's, it's so dynamic and it's so diverse in the issues that you, that you work on. And the only way that we can be effective, the only way, because there are so many of these these items on your dinner plate at any given time, is by reaching out to us and communicating to us. That is why your work on RVA DIRT is so important. That is why I think for, um, and you knew this long before this became in vogue to be involved or engaged with your local, um, on a civic level with your local elected body, it is quite uh, essentially and if folks don't realize this in this moment the most important act of agency and advocacy that you can do for yourself is paying attention and being informed on the local level because these are the things that happen in your not only in your backyard but they affect your neighbor they affect you know everything that you touch in your everyday life when you walk out your door so my plea and i using, i'm doing a little bit of, of a selfish plug but my plea to you um if you're listening to this show you're i'm probably you know getting at the wrong audience here cuz <laughs> you No, you're good. (laughs) But tell your friends if you're listening to the show, then uh, because you're already informed. If you're if you're listening um, to the lovely ladies of RVA Dirt, but tell your friends that it is so important to reach out to us and to let us be a channel for your voices and to keep all those things on our dinner plate and to hold us accountable because it's easy. It, It 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 is easy when you're juggling 18 million balls in one day to to make sure that. You know, we keep sight of all of those things. That is what your local city officials should do. And that's, and you should expect nothing less of them. So how you can get a hold of me and do that is email. So my city council email is stephanie.lynch at richmondgov.com. I also have my campaign website up with it, which is www.electstephanielynch.com. And then you can call me anytime and I will answer because it goes to my cell phone, 804-396-4061. And I am absolutely um, honored and privileged to serve. I am very much looking forward to a full four-year term. We had a lot going on in a very short amount of time y'all, but just think about what we did. We did 18 pieces of legislation, the only city council person with a budget amendment, 300,000 and another 300,000 coming for COVID-19 and eviction relief. Think of what we can do in four years. I am really excited about that. I'm really excited to keep serving the people, the fifth and the city. So please reach out. Can't do it without you. Thank you so much for coming on the
2: show, Stephanie, and sharing your platform and all of your accomplishments. Good luck in your race. Take care. Stay well. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to RV Dirt's Municipal Mania Fifth District Candidate Forum. Fran's not here and I'm not going to do her outro because that's really special for her. We appreciate you and your interest in the candidates that are representing you. Please remember to go vote. Remember that early voting is coming up soon. You have multiple ways to do this and your vote counts and matters. Stay involved and we'll see you next week.